Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I could be distracted by the Holy Ghost right now. I tell you what. I tell you what. I tell you what. We're living in interesting days today. We're living in interesting days. Uh, I, I, I have good news to share with you today. But before I share some good news, I want to share a little bit of not so great news. I have, uh, in the prophetic people that I know and that I trust, the real prophetic people, uh, things, things in our country are going to get a little bit more difficult before they get better. And, um, and uh, that, that, it, it just is what it is. Uh, as we look in the New Testament, we see that the prophets were able to see when things were going to get bad. We got a whole book about it. It's called the book of Revelation, right? It talked about, hey, things look bad on earth with what's going on in Rome, but Jesus is still alive in heaven. He is victorious. Say amen. That is the good news. That's good news. No, that really is. It's really good, good news. That's really, it's really good news. Yeah. And so you better find out, you better figure out early on where your joy is centered, where your mission is centered, where your identity is centered, where your humanity is centered what the goals of your life are and what they are dependent on, what determines your happiness, your sadness, and your productivity. If all that is determined by a political party or is determined by finances or is determined by the success of the United States, life can get difficult. Life can get difficult. But I tell you what, if your life is focused on what Christ has told us to focus on, Things get gooder and gooder. Think, 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 things just continue to increase because the, the, the increase of his reign shall have no end. That means whatever authority Jesus has right now, by the time I ended that sentence, he has more than he had at the beginning. Right? The increase of his government will just continue. Jesus and, and, and his gospel is, threading, is, is spreading throughout the earth. And that means that the goodness of God is spreading throughout the earth. I want to tell you this. Here's the good news. You ready? Here's the good news. Jesus has been raised from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, okay, that didn't get you that excited. I didn't get you excited. I mean, it's just the center of everything we believe and the whole reason we're here today and why we're not going to hell. And, and you know, it, it, you know it's that, but, but at the end of this, I'm going to say that again and I think you're going to get more happy. Okay? Will you trust me on that? We're, we're in this message series, The Go of the Gospel. The go of the gospel. We live in a world today where anything goes. And if you disagree with that, you are somehow hateful. Anything goes except what they don't want to have happen. I, 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 don't, I don't want to go down this road, but have you, have you followed the Twitter drama recently with Elon Musk? Have you followed this? It is the ultimate self-owned. And so Elon Musk has bought Twitter, wanting to make it a free speech platform. Except he now found out that free speech includes people criticizing him. 
And he's like, I didn't pay $44 billion so you can criticize me. All of a sudden, free speech isn't as free when you're the subject of it, right? The anything goes crowd rarely really believes that anything goes. <laughs> they really believe that anything that I want goes. And this is what you find with malcontents and complainers. They only want you to complain about the things they don't like. They never want you to complain about their complaining. Here's the other challenge. If anything goes, then we don't need a savior. Because it's impossible to do anything wrong. I'm going to get the scriptures here in a second and give Stanley a rest, but I want you to follow me for a second. Just follow me for a second. I need to ask Josh, can you help her with the lights? Because I got every light in the house is on. Oh, she got it. Look at that. Go ahead. Give it up for our production team. It would have popped a circuit breaker eventually, and then we got all kinds of issues. So I had to interrupt us. Sorry. <clears throat> I want you to hear this. We're entering the election season. Our problems are not with the liberal atheists. Right? That's not the church's problem. Right? Our, our, our problem is not with the culture wars. Right? The culture war is the problem. Right? Our, our pro that is not, I, I, okay, I want you to hear this. I, 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 I work at the church. I'm, I'm a Christian, right? I, I never had a liberal atheist try to destroy my church. Our problems are with Christians who don't believe the Bible. That, that, that is our realm of authority. Our authority is not out there with people who have not met Jesus, and we're going to yell at them and treat them bad because they don't act like they know Jesus when they don't know Jesus. That, that is not our problem. Our problem is the church that has the Bible and refuses to read it and follow it. That, that is the problem. The problem is that people who want to take the Bible literally, except for the part that says, be nice to people who don't treat you well. That says love those who are unlovable, to treat with grace those who don't deserve grace, to go out and like, that, that's our, that, that is our problem. Our problem is people who want to use violence to solve things that Jesus said use love to fix. That's our problem. Your problem's not, 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 I, I mean, if you look at TV, like, I feel like I'm left out because, you know, every third person in your friend group apparently is supposed to be same-sex attracted. I, 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 don't, I don't have that many gay friends. I'm sorry. Like, according to TV, I'm, I'm, I'm falling behind because in every scene of my life, there should be some very hyper-affectionate same-sex couple. And I'm just like, I just don't know that many. I'm sorry. I don't. Do I have to live up to that? No, no. That's not our problem. Our problem is that this Word of God has got all kinds of good stuff in it, and Christians don't actually believe it and live it. That, that, that is our, our challenge. Their thoughts, they think, are God's thoughts. Their hatred is God's hatred. Their ignorance is God's ignorance. Their, their need for power is God's power, they think. Not recognizing that Jesus has actually conquered all these things all over. He's conquered them all. I never had a problem with, with, with I mean, I had some folks try to interrupt the service before. Y'all have lived through some of that. Y'all remember when the Mormons came and tried to interrupt my service and yell at me? Anybody remember that? That was a fun one. I've had some demonized people try to interrupt the service. That was a fun one. I'm like, you in the right place. Because the demon's leaving. <laughs> but you're not. You done came to the right spot. I don't have a problem with them. You know what I've had a problem with? Mean-spirited Christians. Selfish Christians. 
Christians who thought they should be running the church instead of the leaders that God appointed? These are the problems I've had. Oh, Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm reeling it in, honey. Reeling it in. You too, probably the biggest betrayal in your life have been with other Christians. It ain't with the lost. What do you, I mean, if, you, if you're counting on the lost, you, I mean, geez. I mean, I just need somebody to run the government, get the bills paid, get the roads paved, right? Fix health care, fix our insurance issues. That's what I need from you. I'll take care of the gospel. All right. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16. They quote him. Jesus said, and this is what he said to us. Go into all the world and elect people who will make sure that I'm God. Vote on people who will decide that I'm God and hurt those people who don't believe it. Ostracize them and call them bad names. Condemn every person who you don't like because if you don't like them, I don't like them. No, that's not what it says, does it? He says, go into all the world and preach what? The gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Father, we just thank you this morning that you are alive and that you are present and that your gospel lives among us. In Jesus' name, everybody say Amen and amen and amen and amen, 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 amen. This is a powerful, powerful promise from Jesus. And we see this promise repeated in the Gospels in different ways. And we see these, this, this promise of God that we hear so much, it's easy, it's easy to miss how supernatural it is. In this, in this promise, in these words, Jesus speaks and, uh, and he says that there is some supernatural connection between the telling of the story of Jesus and the power of God showing up in our lives. Somehow, Jesus says, if you just tell this story about me, supernatural things happen. Somehow, if you just believe the story and you tell it, God shows up and does something supernatural in the person who hears it. And what we're going to do today, I'm telling you what I believe God wants to do and what I am purposing to affect in your heart right now is I am going to stir faith in your heart today in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Now, I need you to prepare yourself right now. Like God's going to do something on the inside of you. For some of you, come on, on some of you, you're going to believe these words for the first time and something supernatural is going to happen on the inside of you. For some of you, you're going to believe it in a new way that's going to bring a new connection with Jesus and a new life will be stoked on the inside of you. And for some of you, he's going to reawaken a heart to see the gospel go forth in the earth. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I, I, I mourn and I lament over the church today. And this is not going to be a negative beat up, beat up the church message, but I, I'm sad because the church is turning everywhere but the gospel to find power. 
The church is seeking everywhere. As you're listening to these religious leaders, as you're listening to what the politicians are saying, they're subtly usurping the power of the gospel and the power of the word of God. And they're enticing us to use some other sort of power or some other sort of formula to bring forth the plan of God. But the problem is you cannot bring forth the plan of God any other way than the gospel. If you bring forth anything else, it is not of God because you did not do it God's way. You cannot do things man's way and come up with the blessings of God. It is not possible to build a tower of Babel and get to heaven. All you get is destruction and confusion. That's all that happens. And today, many in the church are confused and their faith is being destroyed because they believed that power could come some way other than trusting God. That's all there is. That's all there is in this thing is trusting God. We talked last week about this. We talked last week about how God calls us to repent. And we understood that as meaning we turn towards God. But what does that mean to turn towards God? I don't know. But first, you've got to turn away from you and what you believed. The first thing is, I don't know who this God is. I don't, I don't know who you are. I don't fully understand what you want me to do. But I do feel like you're telling me to give up my life to take yours. And that doesn't make any sense. But it makes complete sense for the one who understands it. Because it's by the Spirit. Does that make sense? And so we try, unfortunately, to make the gospel more palatable by trying to explain it, even though it's not explainable. We try to make it enticing, even though it's not meant to be enticing. We, we try to make it like, hey, everything you ever wanted, good news, God wanted it too. And he's the way that you get it. And then later on, we say, well, maybe God didn't really want that for you. Like, it's a little bait and switch thing. You know what I mean? Like, just come in and you're going to get everything good you ever wanted is coming in your life. And then you come to God and they're like, oh, by the way, I lied about that part. I just, just wanted, I knew that if you, I talked to a man one time who was from Brazil and uh, he had a really great job in Brazil, right? He worked at a factory that uh, built TVs, I think. And uh, he brought his wife and his two kids to America um, on a, you know, to come to Disney. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who came from to, to go to Disney? And uh, and of course they never went to Disney, and uh, they didn't go back. And uh, he came because his friend told him that there's so many jobs in America that everybody's getting rich. Like you just move to America, you can easily find a job, and you just live this life that you could never live in Brazil. And so he gets here. And, uh, and he's like, hey, how do I get a job? He's like, ah, oh, I don't know. I got this construction job maybe. He's like, construction? I worked in a factory in Brazil. What? And so after about a month of nothing working out, he finds his friend and he's like, why did you tell me this about America? He said, I knew if I told you the truth, you wouldn't come. And so now he's stuck in the United States. His kids suffered for 20 years trying to get citizenship, ducking, ducking the, 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 the system, you know, can't get into college. And he's like, I, 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 and, and we do that with Jesus so often. We think that it's not like he's not good enough to tell the truth. The, 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 truth, the truth is like, if you're giving your life to Christ, it's going to cost you something. It's totally worth it, though. It's, it, it's totally worth it. it is gonna, you're going to have to give up things that you think are valuable right now. But it's totally worth it. It's like people who have, their, their ship has completely sunk. And uh, like they had this, this really expensive PS5, right? And they're trying to tread water. And people are like, if you let go of the PS5, you could probably float and you'll live. And they're like, but this is so valuable, but it's going to kill you. 
And we don't tell people the truth. Like, just let go of this stuff that is causing your life to sink. There really is something better coming. I can't let go of this PS5 and hold on to the life raft. I don't know what I'm going to do. Forget the PS5. Life is more valuable. And so when you come to Jesus, we don't, need to, we don't need to manipulate. We don't need to lie. We don't need to twist our words because he really is better. He really is good. He really has life. He really fulfills you in a way that you cannot get any other way. It's totally worth it. I've walked with the Lord a long time, and he is totally worth it. He is faithful. I can tell you, if I could go back 20 years, I say this all the time and I will say it again. If I could go back 20 years and tell 20 years younger Carl anything, I would tell him, God is faithful. It may not go the way you think it's going to go, but you will be fulfilled following God. He is worth it. But somehow we, we, we don't trust that because possibly we didn't fully give our lives to God. And so we don't challenge other people to fully give their lives to God. So we have to use this watered down half gospel to get them to the church. And then we get them to a church that doesn't fully want anybody to give up their lives. So they give them a watered down gospel. And this gospel is so enticing that they have so many people come, but people stick around long enough to recognize this isn't really true and they fall off and there's this churning. I'm so grieved today about the number of Christians deconstructing their faith. I put it in air quotes, not because deconstruction isn't real, but they're not really deconstructing their faith. They're deconstructing bad, harmful, dangerous churches. And they think it's Jesus. When it's not. If you ever go down to Mexico, to tourist areas in Mexico, you can, everyone I've been to, you can find donkeys that have stripes painted on them to look like zebras. And you could take a picture with a fake zebra. And if you find a donkey painted with stripes, it does not look like a zebra. And if you thought that was a zebra, you would be very disappointing in what zebras are. And you would never want to be around a zebra again. That's, that's so much of the church today. We got donkeys painted with stripes calling it the church. And it ain't nothing but a social club. There's no life change. The Holy Ghost isn't moving. We don't see anybody laying down their lives radically to serve Jesus. We don't see the gifts of God. Nobody's getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I tell you what. If you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need to just press in for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that was the, that, that's the promise. That's the promise for everyone who believes. Churches today, they're like, oh, we don't preach that. I'm like, why not? It's in the Bible. It's right there. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you don't got the Holy Ghost, it's just you. It's just you. Why is my life going good? You need the Holy Ghost. Get the Holy Ghost. I tell you what, there's times in my life I ain't got none but me. And praying in tongues, that's it. Just praying in tongues, hoping on God. Anybody with me? Now, I understand you can be fanatical, but every now and then you need to get in a room with a couple people and scream in tongues till Jesus shows up. Amen? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. You just scream in tongues till Jesus shows up and something happens. Like, like I don't, you can't live there, but every now and then you show enough need to meet there. Something happens in that room. Something happens in the room of intercession that you cannot control because we need a God that we can't control. I don't need a God made in my image. I'm not that impressed with me. 
We keep making a God in our own image and wondering why he's not doing that much. Because you can't do that much. That's why you're in this problem. You need someone who can do more. All right, Carl. Hear me. Hear me. There's power in the gospel. Come on. There is power in the gospel. Now, the gospel is a Greek word. You know what it means. Good news. It means good news in Greek. But what is the good news? Because not all good news is the gospel. I hope I won lotto. Don't you? Wouldn't you you love it to have won Powerball last night? And you're here with us crumbs who soon you won't even know because you're a billionaire. Like, I remember them back when I used to. Now I go to the rich people church, right? I remember those crumbs. That would be instantly life-changing, right? But that is not even the gospel. That, that, like, that, that is not even the good news. It would be good news. Don't get me wrong. That would be a very present help in time of need. I tell you what, it would, that would be something. But my hope is not in lotto, right? My hope is not in the lottery. My hope is not in money because I cannot take it with me. I need something that's going to last longer than this life. But this is good news. Now, what, what, what is the good news? We have been talking about this in our Wednesday night Bible studies. The, the good news as the apostles preached is not necessarily what we keep calling the Gospels. You could see time and again in Acts, in the writings of Paul, at the end of the Gospels, what the good news is. The good news is that Jesus has been raised from the dead He was dead. God raised him from the dead. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. We call that theologically, we call that that Christ has been exalted. He has been raised up to the right hand of the Father. He is both Lord of everything and the Savior of man. And if you accept him in this regard, you will have your sins forgiven and you will be in right relationship with God. That is the gospel. Can you say amen? That is the gospel. The gospel. The real gospel. Now, you can believe the gospel and be wrong about other things about Jesus and still go to heaven. Amen. Amen. You can be be right about the gospel and be wrong about how we do Sunday service or we can have different opinions about lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. I was invited to watch a um, theological conversation among some Uh, Christian theologians, and as I was watching it, they were talking about the challenge of the gospel and the virgin birth. And I'm like, what's the challenge? She was born from a virgin, and uh, I believe it. I don't understand. They're like, and so then they began discussing how clearly Jesus wasn't born from a virgin and how we kind of dance around that. And I'm like, well, I don't know about that because I just just believe that he does. And um, um, they're like, but we do know that he was raised from the dead. And as I read The messages of Peter on the day of Pentecost, the gospel was that you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that he was raised from the dead, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father. There's a a lot of variance in the church among people who are saved who believe different things. But we got this mean-spirited devil that comes in and wants to say who's saved and who's not saved. Listen, do you believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross The Father raised him from the dead and exalted him to the right hand of the Father. Now that he is Lord and Savior, your faith in him 
makes you in right standing with the Father and you have everlasting life with God. That is, do you believe that today? Because that, something supernatural happens when you believe that. You go from death to life. You go from darkness to light. You go from those who are not the people of God into grafted into the people of God. Something supernatural happens when you believe the gospel. Now, this preaching of the gospel, you can't just expect the world to just read it in the book and get it. I know people who read the book and the words leapt off at them and they just got saved. That is amazing, though it is rare. There is a term that the early church called the kyrgma. We also studied this recently in our Bible study. The kyrgma is the phenomena of preaching the gospel in a way that someone believes it and they get saved. Now, this, 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 we could take it for granted. We, 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 the, It's so easy to forget how powerful this is. Somehow, God, in his infinite wisdom and glory and power, God, who created the entire world with words, God, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, his great plan for saving mankind is you telling the story of Jesus. That's his big plan. That's his masterful, wonderful working all things together for good plan, you tell somebody the gospel. That's his plan. That's it. That's, and you're like, There's got, you, you can't be counting on me, God. You, like, I can't be it. Yeah, you. But I am just a nope, but no, no, you're it. You are the plan of God. We forget how powerful this is. We, we, we forget that we have the power of salvation right here on our tongue. Hallelujah. It is crazy. The power of salvation is right there. Just you just deciding, hey, you know what? I'll just go ahead and do that thing that Jesus died for. I'll just tell somebody about Jesus. I'll just tell the story. And then somehow it unlocks something in the heaven. And the Holy Ghost shows up. And, and somehow, I don't know how, yeah, somehow this person's whole life has been leading up to this very moment that I finally decided. Now, is it that God knew that you would decide that day? So he was setting up that person's life so they would be right with you on that day that they hear that thing and they just were at a crisis point and now they get saved? Or is it that when you finally decide, I'm going to share this story that somehow God goes back in time and rearranges a person's life to bring them to a place of conviction where they're ready to hear this gospel and their entire generations are saying, I don't know. I don't know how God does it. But I do know that when you decide, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and do the thing and say the words that all of a sudden the Holy Ghost shows up and like this thing starts to unlock in somebody's heart where the Holy Ghost comes in and things line up and then Jesus is on the cross buried in the ground, raised from the dead, exalted to the right hand of the Father in that person's soul, and they become alive to the Spirit of Jesus Christ. It's, I don't know how he does it, but God has given us that power somehow. Can you say amen? That is wild, isn't it? That, that is it. That's, 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 it's, it's crazy. Like, there's got to be a better plan than this God. He's like, no, that's it. And, and, it, and it sounds crazy because we don't understand how powerful it is. We don't understand how God is moving on so many levels at this very moment. We forget how powerful we are, how much power God has given us, how much authority God has given us. Like, we, we forget, like, you ever been around Christians? They've been saved so long, they forget they got saved? They, like, they, like, like, you ain't all that. I remember when you wasn't saved. I remember how you used to act. I remember how you used to act when you were saved. Why Do you think you're something big? Like, you forget where you came from. You ain't all that. You ain't all that. You ain't all that. I ain't all that. I'm still just, I'm just Carl 
saved by God's grace. That's who I am. Carl, saved and filled with God's spirit. Like, I don't even know how that happened. Like, I, like it's still a mystery to me. I'm like, God, how did you do that? He's like, I'm God. Wow. I'll be like, God, how are you going to get me out of this mess? And he's like, same way I got you saved. I'm like, hmm, hmm. You're right. I'm not going to understand. I still don't get it. Are you surprised you're saved? Like, I'm surprised. It's like it surprises me sometimes, you know? Duke, I'm going to be honest, sometimes it just surprises me. I'd like wake up and I'm like, I'm saved. I'm like, 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 do you have any miracles in your life that you're just like, I can't believe that happened. I got so, I'm just like, I can't believe that happened. It don't happen. So many years ago, I still can't believe that happened. You need to be, we need that with our salvation. I'm like, I can't believe I am now a child of God. I actually have the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus. He was hanging on a tree, and he thought about my sin and decided I was worth it. That is, wow. While I was still betraying him, and he decided to devote himself to me. That's like my wife. I was lost in sin, and she was praying for me. She didn't know she was praying for me. She was just praying for probably, I don't know what her prayer list was, but, you know, God saved some really handsome man, you know. Some good-looking guy, you know, possibly Italian. You know, I get it. I get it. That's the prayer. That's the, it's probably a common prayer list. I get it. But, you know, that's I just, it worked. Her prayers are powerful and effective. You need a husband. You might want to have her praying for you. You know, I, I, you know I'm just saying, you know. But, <clears throat> but it's mystery. And, and we don't always understand these things. The Bible tells us a story in Revelation about what's happening in heaven. <clears throat> and, in the, and in heaven... There was, um, people are in, I want you to get this picture. People were in heaven with Jesus. Still didn't get it. They're in heaven with Jesus. And there's these scrolls in heaven and, excuse me, what the scrolls are irrelevant for our story, but the scrolls needed to be opened. And all of heaven did not understand. They were like, what, 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 nobody, nobody, there's nobody who can open these scrolls. Nobody can do it. And they're in heaven. We have this mystery. We have this misnotion that once we get to heaven, we will be all-knowing. And only God is all-knowing. Amen. You're going to have to live, this is for somebody, if you are a believer, you're going to have to live with the reality that he is God and you are not, and you are not going to understand some things. I'm just going to have to follow. I don't understand why I just follow Jesus. Where are you going? Following Jesus. Where is he leading you? To follow him. That's it. That's, that's all I know. I know he told me to do this. And so I'm doing it. And I'm going to stay faithful with it. Because he told me to. So they're in heaven. And they're all weeping. And they're all upset. There's nobody worthy to unleash. To, to, to open, open these seals. And they're crying. In Revelation chapter 5. One of the elders says to John. Can you imagine? There's 24 elders around the throne. And there's these four creatures. Like the writer of the book of Revelation. John. He's in heaven, and all he can call them are creatures. Have you ever said, hey, I saw, I saw, what did you see, a dog? No, it wasn't a dog. Uh, was, it, was, was it a donkey with stripes painted on it? Because I heard about that in church. You're like, no, no, it wasn't one of those. What was it? It was a creature. What kind of creature? I don't, I don't know. It had eyes, and I had wings. I, I don't, just a creature. It was a creature, right? So there's these 24 elders and these four creatures that were alive, right? And this elder, one of the 24 elders, you got to wonder which one it was, right? Wouldn't you want to know? Like, I want to know. 
What's weird is among the 24 elders, many people believe some of those elders, this is wild, are you ready? Many people believe that they're the heads of the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles, but some of them were still alive, but they're in heaven. One of them was writing the book, right? That's a little weird, right? Like that's, that, that don't make any sense, right? Don't make any sense. I don't, we're not going to talk about that right now. But one of the elders says to him, Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, if you got that. The elder says, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book of the seven seals. And so all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh my gosh, we didn't think anybody was worthy, but there's one. There is one worthy. He is without sin. Now, now you know the four creatures didn't sin, but they weren't worthy. Only Jesus was worthy, right? And so they're saying Jesus is worthy to open these scrolls. And immediately, like Stanley said earlier, immediately everybody in heaven just starts to sing. They just start to sing a song about how amazing this lamb is, the lamb of God who has overcome the world, how, how amazing it is that he's able to open these scrolls. And then they all start to sing verse 9. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals for you, watch this, were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. This is why he is worthy. He is worthy because he was slain and he purchased for his father with his own blood, you and them and all them, right? Like he purchased all them. For, for his own glory, every tribe and tongue and people and nation. This is the gospel. This is why he is worthy. This, and then they're, they're, having their, and they're, and they're shouting about it. And, 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 and so Jesus alone has, like, we see that he is separate from everybody. He's separate from everything. He's high above every created creature. He's higher above the elders. He's higher above the four creatures. He, he, he has all this authority that no one in the world has. And here's how you find out if somebody and their authority is from God. Are you ready? This is how you test. We've got all this Christian nationalism happening. We have Christian, like these people, well, Christians do this. Well, here's how you find out if someone is really a Christ follower in their leadership. What does Jesus do with all this authority that he has? Next verse, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Can you say amen? This is what Jesus did with all his authority, with all his power, with all his wisdom, with all of his might that he purchased. He bought all of us. And what has he done with us once he purchases us? He gives us authority to be a kingdom and priests for God. He, he doesn't step on us. He, he doesn't say, you're going to be a slave. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to make you prophets. I'm going to make you priests. I'm going to make you the people who are able to carry my story and bring people into this kingdom. We serve a mighty God, amen? We serve a mighty God. This is amazing. This is amazing. Let's go back to our verse in Mark chapter 16. This is what he said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. That, that, that's, that's, that's what's happening in heaven. They're preaching who Jesus is. They're singing songs about what he did. They're, they're singing songs about his story 
And then Jesus said, hey, what's happening in heaven? Let it happen on earth. On earth as it is in heaven, there's, there's, there's so much false teaching out there today. Let me give you the truth. On earth as it is in heaven does not mean that we have paradise like they have paradise. That's, that's, if you read the, read the prayer. On earth as it is in heaven means in heaven, everybody is fully submitted to Jesus. Everybody is fully submitted to the will of God, God the Father. We, that he fully has authority. Everybody has laid their life down in heaven. We pray that just like in heaven, everybody worships God, that everybody on the earth would lay down their life for Father God, starting with me. That's on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what Jesus is telling people to do here. In Mark chapter 16, hey, in heaven, everybody's telling everybody about Jesus. Hey, you know what? On earth as it is in heaven. And, and what's amazing about that is, it's not just you having to excel somebody on something. I know many people say, I'll take any job there is, but I don't want a sales job. Now, some salespeople, they're like, give me all the money. That's fine. But many people are like, I do not want to sell. Like, I do not want a sales job. That, the gospel is not a sales job. The gospel is not you trying to pressure people into a high-pressure sales tactic. It's not you cornering people and overcoming arguments. It's something supernatural that we see all through the Old Testament. Look at the, look at the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9. He says, the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. Hear me. You are not called to be the next Jeremiah. I just want to put that out there real quick, right? I am not talking about you. I'm not talking about me. We are Jeremiah is Jeremiah and you are not him. But this is the work of God in man. This is what God does when he puts the gospel in our hearts. Are, are, are you with me? Are we tracking together this morning? Is anybody getting stirred up? Thank you back there, Denise. I appreciate that. I appreciate the encouragement. I, like, I, I, want, I want to stir something up in you. Like, oh, Jesus. All right, Carl, let me just get down here for a second. Listen, you're not going to be a prophet like the Old Testament. You don't live in the Old Covenant. You live in the New Covenant. We don't, we don't live in the Old Covenant. We live in the New Covenant. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, He gives you power. Are you hearing me, church? I need you to know He's given you power. He's given you power. And this power, like, the crazy thing about this power is, if you look at it through the carnal mind, like, you're like, oh, I can get something done with this power. But with the renewed mind, it's not going to do anything for you. It's going to do something for Jesus. And when the kingdom grows, we all grow. When it benefits our king, we get the joy of the king. When we live lives that bring Jesus joy, we get to live in joy. There is this crazy thing that happens. When you do some God stuff, you get God splash over onto you. When you live in such a way that the presence of God touches other people, there is a presence that comes into your life that's like, this wasn't even for me. This was for them. I, I, I've seen this in big things and small things. I've seen this in people who've been saved a day. I've seen this in people who've been saved 50, day, 50 years. And it's surprising every time. When you decide, like, this gospel is not just that I need to stop doing bad things. 
And this gospel isn't, I need to become somebody. And you decide, this is not about me. Are you getting this? Like, Jesus really is supposed to be the center of our faith. Not my money. Not me getting married. Not me becoming famous. Not me not having anxiety. That is not what this is about. Now, this, all that is in this. But it's not about any of that. <clears throat> I want you to get this. Because if you don't get it, your Christianity is going to be very frustrating. Especially if you go to this church. Because we're really not impressed that you made a billion dollars and you live like a demon. Like, we're not impressed that your business is exploding, but your kids are obnoxious, right? Like, that, we're not impressed with that. Does your life look like you know Jesus? Like, we want you to know Jesus. Are you growing in self-control? Are you able to control your tongue? Is the love of God transforming your heart? Do you hear him? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, like, I'm not impressed that your kid can score three goals. Can your kid prophesy? Can your kid discern the voice of God? Have you taught your children how to hear God? Do they have a relationship with Jesus? This is what I want to know. Now, listen, I'm not saying make your kids behave a certain way. We do not put the cart before the horse. This is not Instagram. The church is not Instagram where you just take 9,000 pictures with a filter so you can put out the one that you think is going to please people. Like, that is not the church. The church is, all of us need filters. The blood of Jesus. Because none of us are worthy of being looked at. That's what we need. That's, that's, that's the, and I like, like he, like he deserves your life. And I want to live a life worthy of him. I want to preach messages that don't make, you know, I don't want you to leave here saying, man, I got a, I got a, well, you can, you can see I got a great preacher. That's, that's all right. I'm okay. I'm okay with that actually. But, but that, that can't be all that you're saying, right? Like I'm not, I don't want to run an entertainment thing here. Like if, if y'all think I'm amazing and you're not any closer to Jesus, like, gosh, I have failed. And one day I am going to stand before the throne of God and answer for how I behaved behind the sacred desk. Like that is not, I want, I don't want to waste my life and not hear well done. Amen. I don't want all y'all to say good, well done and him not say it. That is, I'm, I don't, that is, I'm not interested in that at all. I tell you what, I believe in heaven and I believe in judgment and I believe one day I am going to be judged and I have listened to a lot of nonsense said to me and about me that I did not answer because the well done I'm waiting for is in heaven. <clears throat> the gospel declares the true kingdom. Just like he said here and as he talked to Jeremiah, the gospel, it plucks up and it breaks down. It, it, it destroys strongholds of the enemy and it overthrows the power of darkness. It, it builds up the believer and it plants the spirit of truth in them. When the word of God is in your mouth, the power of God is active in your midst. Let me say it again. When the word of God is in your mouth, the power of God is active in your midst. The true word of God. That Jesus died for sinners. Hallelujah. Good word, Pastor. That's a good word right there. 
So I'm going to ask you, yeah, amen. What are you going to focus on? What are you going to focus on in your life? Now, I, I, I got, oh, Jesus, okay. All right, I'm going to get through this very quickly because I want to I help you out here. What do you find the majority of your time that you're focusing on? What are you focusing on in your mind? Are you focusing on life or are you focusing on death? Are you focusing on the blessing or are you focusing on the curse? The Bible puts this out there. He says, I, I, God says to the, the, the people of Israel, I put before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Then he gives them a cheat code. Choose life. Choose life that it may go well with you and your children. Choose life. What are you meditating on? What is occupying your brain space? What do you find yourself thinking about the most? Are you, are you thinking about the good report or are you critical in your thinking? What, 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 what are you focusing on? Have you surrendered your thought life to Jesus? You're not allowed to criticize yourself in the gospel. We're not allowed to be critical people. And you have to start with you. <clears throat> I'm going to beat this for a little bit. Watch this. You have to choose a good report. You have to choose to bless and not curse. You have to choose to believe and to hope. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Who, he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who has disbelieved shall be condemned. What do you believe today? What do you believe? What are the words that you speak? What does your self-talk sound like? You got to get healthier. You don't preach the gospel because you don't believe it because you don't live it. You need to start believing the gospel in your own life of who God says you are as a believer. Jesus Christ has washed you clean of your sin. All that you've repented of has been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. The Bible says that He casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. He remembers your sin no more. Why do you keep remembering them? Why do you keep bringing them up? Why are they still thoughts in your mind? Why do you focus on the failure? There is power in your mouth, but it starts with the gospel. you got to get this gospel in your mouth and get it in your heart so that when thoughts come up that are opposite the gospel, you reject them. If it isn't founded on the death, resurrection, and exaltation of Christ, it's witchcraft. Sometimes it's witchcraft against you. Okay. If you haven't taken any notes, just take a few right here. In, in, in psychology and therapy, they have these things they call negative cognitions. Has anybody heard that term before? Negative cognitions. My wife, who is a therapist, has heard of negative cognitions. Negative cognitions. These are negative thoughts. I want you to get this. And there's lots of ways that you can lump these, but there's three basic categories of negative cognitions. I want you to hear this, right? The first area of negative cognitions. Oh, now, now this is going to help you, so you'll write it down. That's good. That's good. That's good. All right. So there, there's these areas of responsibility. I don't have time to get into this fully, but I want you to, if this speaks to you, I want you to dig into it. There's areas of responsibility. Like you say things like, I'm ugly, or I'm so stupid, or I'm broken, or I don't belong among people. These thoughts that, that live in your head. I, I should have done something different back in the past, and now I'm reaping the reward. Like, the, of course my life is awful. I should have done something different, and I didn't. And so now I deserve for my life 
to be miserable. Or you say, I can't stand up for myself. Or, or one that I see a lot of broken people, I can't let anybody see my emotions because if they see my emotions, catastrophe. These are negative cognitions. Anything I just said, you're not allowed to think about yourself. That goes against the gospel. There's areas of vulnerability. I, I, I can't trust my own judgment. I, I can't trust myself. I, 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 I can't stand up for myself. If I stand up for myself, then everybody's going to leave me. I can't stand up for myself because I deserve other people to run my life. I, 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 can't, I can't stand up for myself and, and create healthy boundaries because you know, who knows what will happen. Or, 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 or I, I, again, I can't show my emotions. I can't let people know I'm sad or broken. I can't let people know that I am, watch this, human. I'm going to somehow trick them into thinking that I'm superhuman. Nobody's fooled. Then there's areas of control and choices. These negative cognitions that surround things like, oh, I'm powerless. I, I, I'm, I, I can't do anything about my situation. I'm, I'm weak. I'm, I'm a failure. Or, 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 or surely failure is coming in the future. I'm, I know that catastrophe is coming, and I don't have any control over what happens in my life. Did any of that resonate with anybody in the room today? Negative cognitions. These thoughts plague the mind of the world, but these thoughts fail to recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord. These things that you're beating yourself up about, oh, things aren't going to go well. I, 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 mm, I beg to differ because I've met Jesus. And Jesus saved me. And if he saved me, he could save anybody. And he's rescued me. And if he's rescued me, he can rescue anybody. I have a thousand stories of God's supernatural rescuing power in my life. Not to count the tens of thousands of supernatural stories where there's no way this should have worked out. And it worked out. There's no way this should have happened. But God made it happen. The doctors all said there is no recovery from this. Come on, somebody. There's no way. But God somehow decided that there is a way. I have seen. I have heard. I have witnessed the God of glory break into so many people's lives that are absolutely against these negative cognitions. You cannot put God in a box. Amen? You say, but if, not, if God did not intervene, but for the grace of God, if it weren't for God, there goes I. You got to get a control of what's going through your head. You got to break that power in your life today. You got to make a decision today. That might be true for somebody else, but God gave me the gospel. I'm constantly remembered of a friend of mine who went to the doctor. I've told this story many times, and I'll tell it again. I'll tell it till I die. The doctor came out and gave him his uh, prognosis. Gave him how much longer he had to live. And he said, that would be scary news if I weren't a Christian. <laughs> that, if I didn't have God, that would be bad news right there. But God gave me a promise about long life. And doctor, I'm going to do whatever you say, but that is not my report. <laughs> 
God has said something different over me. You see, I've been bought by the shed blood of Jesus. And whatever you have written on that paper, it does not have power over my life. You see, now I'll go along with the doctors. I'll go along with the medicine. But God somehow is going to... And he told me this about 10 years after he was supposed to already be dead. But God. But God, amen? I should have... Man, you know how many people done tried to curse my life? But God. Like, that's, that's interesting that you say that, but I've given my life to another power. And the Bible tells me that a curse will not aflame without a cause. And my God has said that I am blessed and not cursed. He said that I am above and not beneath. That I am the head and not the tail. That I am an overcomer by the power of the gospel. Can you say amen? And that is for your life as well. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. <clears throat> Watch this. Mark 16, 17. Back to our scripture. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. The antidote to these negative cognitions, these, these negative, the, the, the trappings of these negative cognitions is, is being found in the gospel. Finding yourself in the gospel. You see, all these things in Mark 16, 17, and 18 are deadly except for those who believe the gospel. Somehow there is a supernatural power that under the old covenant, if I touched an unclean person, I become unclean. But now that I have believed that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father, when I in faith touch the unclean person, they don't affect me, I affect them. All of a sudden, when I walk into a room of depressed people, I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me because I know my God is alive. And I don't then get depressed, I don't shift the atmosphere outward. All of a sudden, other unhappy people begin to get happy. I look at sad people and say, how you doing? And the Holy Ghost gets on them and all of a sudden, they don't even, you, ever, you, ever, you ever pray for somebody who don't even want to be happy, who is happy in their depression and you're like, I, I know you like it, but I'm going to kick this thing off your life because you deserve to be happier. You're going to see a new life. And I just go ahead and pray and they're like, whoa, the sunshine. Yes, because Jesus Christ is alive. And this is what God wants to do in your troubles. This is what God wants to do in your problems. This is what God wants to do in your mental health issues. This is what God wants to do in your finances. Listen, you do not have the troubles of the world because you do not have a God of this world. You have a God of the supernatural who reigns in heaven right now, who's worthy to unleash the seal and has given you power over every spirit at work in the earth today. Yeah, there's demons. Yes, they don't worry me. Because I have authority over them. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 What we need today is people committed to the full gospel. Stanley, come up if you would. We need people committed to the full gospel. Put it up for me there if you would, Isabella. What we need today is people committed to the full gospel. We need people committed to the full gospel. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't see everything we expect until we start to shirk back a little bit. But that, that's not you. That's not why you're here. That's, 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 you don't have hope. Like Financial peace is great and all, but it, ain't, it don't give you the real peace. That only comes from Jesus. My wife has a shirt that says, what does it say? Jesus. Jesus plus therapy equals healing. 
I'm down with that. You need some wise counsel in your life. You need somebody to tell you, hey, listen, these negative cognitions. My wife likes to call them ungodly thoughts. Literally thoughts that do not line up with the Word of God. They're strongholds of the devil in your life. Ungodly thoughts. You say, yeah, but it's true. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. But it's true. No, it ain't. That's your, that's, that's the, come on, that is your negative cognition. And you need to start telling your ungodly thoughts they need to go to hell. Oh, I don't know if that's going to work. Ah, go to hell. With your father that brought that lie to my life. Oh, they all talking about you. Go to hell. You ain't going to fit in. Go to hell. With your daddy. The father of lies. Because you're a lie. I wish you would tell him. I wish you would. Just like, like what is plaguing your brain? Your mom said, don't cuss in the house. I'm just, I'm just doing what the pastor said. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sending the devil where he's going to be eventually anyways. Come on. What, what do you got to lose other than your depression? What you got to lose other than your anxiety? What you got to lose other than this feeling of you can't trust anybody? What, 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 do, you, what do you got to lose? I mean, other, other than your isolation. What, what do you got to lose other than your blessing? I mean, come on. Come on. Tell them. You got to tell those thoughts. I am not living for you anymore. Now continue to bathe and all that. You know what I mean? Like, don't get too free. Let's, um, let's keep it together a little bit. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, Paul was escaping persecution. He writes to the church that he planted there, and he says, and they're starting to like, they're starting to believe like, like, like the gospel wasn't doing what they wanted. And all of a sudden, some people showed up on the scene with slick words. And now he said, found himself in the church that he founded, fighting for authority in that church with liars and people with slick words telling people what they want to hear. Oh, Jesus. I want you to get this right here. Paul warns us time and again about false teachers and false prophets. I mean, time and time again. Jesus warned us about it. Paul warned us about it. False teachers, false prophets. They want something other than Jesus to become famous. They want, to, they, want to, they want to ride Jesus into the town. They want to use Jesus, their donkey, for them to come into glory. And so Paul in this church in Thessalonica, people started not thinking Paul was that great because he, he didn't look like the cool people and he didn't preach like the cool people and he didn't... They all of a sudden were enraptured by culture. And he's like, listen... I want you to, I want you to, I want to, and he starts speaking to their spirit by, by writing this, this book. He says, I did not come. <laughs> what I preached, the good news that I told you, what I wanted to establish among you, verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians 1, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost and with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you 
for your sake. Paul is saying, listen, I didn't come, I didn't come to make you comfortable. I didn't come to tell you everything that you wanted is good. I didn't come to try to make myself popular among you. That's not what I did. I came and I preached the real good news that brings conviction. When's the last time you felt some conviction? The real conviction that keeps you from danger. The real conviction that keeps you from the enemy. The real conviction that brings you into God's goodness. The real conviction that you wake up in the morning and the Lord tells you to do something and you make sure you get it done that day. The real conviction that tells you don't trust that person. The real conviction that says you better preach them the gospel. The real conviction that says you better lay hands on that person so they can recover. The real conviction that says this is not about you. Lay down your life. Shut your mouth and love well. The real conviction that stops the cycles in your family and breaks them so that you can bring something new for generations that come after you. The real conviction of God. Paul says, I showed up with a real conviction. I showed up with the real gospel. And you know it's the real gospel because conviction was born in your heart. You knew that there was something that you needed to get closer to God. And when I was done preaching, you saw I lived that very message among you. And when you gave yourself to that message, all of a sudden your life began to change. God became real inside of your life. You began to see a transformation with the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. This is the real gospel that we need in the world today. Come on. This is the real gospel that changes lives. This is the real gospel that brings you into the presence. This is the real gospel that glorifies Jesus. Stand with me if you would. I want us to make a fresh commitment today to the gospel. I want to make a fresh commitment today to the gospel. We're God's only plan. Come on. We are his plan. And if we're not going to proclaim his gospel, what, 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 you know what it says? He'll raise up some rocks. Ain't no one taking my place. I've seen a lot of people give up their, their call because they don't set their sights on something else. Not me. How about you? Not me. Not me. How about you, Duke? Not me. How about you, Brianna? Not me. Mike, you plan on selling out to the American dream? Nope, not me. Not me. We're going to make a fresh commitment to the gospel today. The good news is that God raised Jesus from the dead. So death has been defeated and the kingdom of God is at hand. Pray in the spirit if you would. God is going to stir up something on you on the inside right now. I want you to make a fresh commitment to the gospel right now. Father, I, I, I commit myself afresh to you.